0: The Chris Perillo Show is brought to you by Microsoft Windows Media. Download Windows Media Player 10 at Microsoft.com slash Windows Media.
1: So I'm very familiar with uh, the good folks that they might be giant.
2: The John and John show, if you Indeed. will. Yes. I, you know what? I, I almost wonder, honestly, why they haven't gotten into podcasting. Because they were pushing this stuff years ago. Yeah, you know, they've been doing a lot of the, uh, the kids'
1: music lately. Yes. Um uh, that seems to have been occupying a lot of their time. Maybe, maybe that would be the uh, the the outlet for them.
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like a kids' podcast of sorts.
1: Yeah, get them hooked early.
2: Yeah, so uh, let's bring everybody up to speed. Uh, Rick, you uh, are are you president CEO of Feedburner?
1: No, no, that 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 promotion will take effect next week.
2: Oh, okay. No, <laughs> no,
1: I'm I uh, I recently joined Feedburner. Okay. I am uh, VP of Business Development, which uh, my my role really focuses on. Working with publishers who are looking to uh, better manage their RSS feeds and increasingly uh, I'm spending a lot of time dealing with uh, podcasters, both uh, personal uh, podcasts as well as uh, some of the the commercial or corporate types that are looking to figure out how how to do it.
2: You know, I I I think uh, you know as far as I'm I'm concerned, my whole perspective. You might as well be president CEO because you're the only person I really see active uh, from Feedburner. No, no,
1: no, no. I, uh, I I get to be be out there. I was fortunate enough to be in Seattle a couple of weeks ago at at, at Gnome Dex, but uh, we're actually uh, kind of covering, doing a lot of blocking and tackling in, in various places. Dick, our, our CEO, is actually in the Bay Area today and tomorrow um Steve Olakowski, who's who's my boss and one of the other founders uh is in Europe currently um we, he was actually in London until yesterday so fortunately we got word this morning he's okay good um but uh no we we're we're uh, we're, we're hard working bunch. I just uh I, I get to be in some of the visible places once in a while.
2: See I and I'm very glad uh even though I don't think we really connected at Gnome Dex, Uh I I was glad that you could make it because... Well I heard
1: that you were kind of busy which I couldn't really <laughs> entirely understand but, uh, I'll, I'll well, let it slide this just this once.
2: Thank you. I, I appreciate your patience. Um, so, so Feedburner, uh, you know, is, has has been around for for a little while. It's probably one of the only services out there, uh, as far as RSS is concerned, that allows people to track stats uh, and really control a lot of what happens in the feed uh, without much thinking at all.
1: Well, we certainly hope so. Um, we, you're right, we have been around a while. The the the, the four guys that founded the company, um, I mentioned Dick and Steve, also Eric Lunt and, and Matt Schaub, um, started the company in October of 2003, and it's kind of amazing. We took a look back at the original email that they circulated amongst themselves as they were trying to figure out what they were going to do next, and it is exactly what the company is doing today. Uh, and, and it was very simply stated, which was you got a lot of people who are going to want to push their content out via RSS, Obviously, this was in the days before podcasting, but who are going to want to uh, get their content out there and aren't going to necessarily understand all of the moving parts involved in doing it. Uh, and as we've seen with podcasting, who are going to want to focus on c- creating the content and not necessarily want to have to understand the mechanics of what RSS is uh, and you know credit to Dave Weiner, it is a very simple standard and and it it is a very workable one. But as we've seen in recent developments, there have been some extensions to RSS, and there are different implementations of syndication formats. And we try and just eliminate a lot of that complexity for publishers who just want to focus on making sure their feed works, gets out there, people can use it. And then on the backside of that, once feeds are running through FeedBurner, give publishers a lot of data they wouldn't otherwise have. Uh, You know, tell you, first of all, how many subscribers you have to your feed. Right? You can't just measure hits to the XML file. That's not a reliable metric because My Yahoo might hit your feed once every six hours and NewsGator might hit your feed once an hour. Well, my Yahoo might have 10,000 subscribers hitting your feed uh, every six hours and therefore represent four hits a day. And my individual install of NewsGator is going to hit you 24 times a day, and yet I'm only one guy. So we try and, and, and aggregate all that data and then come up with, numbers that represent the unique individuals on the other end of those requests, along with some other metrics that help people understand what's going on in their feed.
2: So could you put this into perspective for me when you say that you're you're helping make it easier and, you know, kind of adapting to the new things that come along? iTunes was just released. Jake worked very hard at getting us to the point where people could easily subscribe to the show and the feed, and that included uh, adding an image, making sure the tags were updated. We ended up having uh, initial issues that someone else actually helped us troubleshoot through. We didn't realize we were having problems until someone sent me a series of emails. I'm like, Jake, uh, what does this mean? He's like, oh, I uh, the, and then we figured it out, and everybody was happy. Um, but now, FeedBurner, with all the URLs that you have, you're now com- compliant with the, the new iTunes specs,
1: Yeah, you know, for anybody that that isn't necessarily familiar with the role we've played on the podcasting front, you know, no one knows quite accurately how many podcast feeds are out there. Um, When Steve Jobs made his announcement back a couple of months ago, his estimate was there were 8,000 podcasts uh, in their entire, you know, around the world. And when the iTunes... Directory launch, there are about three thousand in their in their directory. Well, as of today, we've got just under ten thousand podcast feeds running through Feedburner. Wow! So there's clearly a, a a large number of people who are not yet in the iTunes directory, uh, who are not yet in any of the directories, who are running feeds through us and are looking for that kind of exposure. And it, it, you know, if you guys were having issues and. Uh, you know, I, I think with all due deference, you guys have a handle on this stuff. So if you guys weren't getting it right, then imagine what the average person who set up a, 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 a just a generic site at Blogger to get a feed and then ran that feed through FeedBurner so that our SmartCast service would add the enclosure tags to their feed and get that done. And that's about the extent of what they understand. And then somebody starts shipping around a PDF file that says, well, you just need to add this Reference to the DTD, and then you need to add these category (laughs) tags. Right. And that's the point at which you've lost 99% of the audience. That represents the vast majority of the feeds that are running through feedburner. So, you know, we we obviously knew the announcement was coming. We knew the release was coming. We didn't have an exact date, but we talked to some folks at Apple. And um, within the week after iTunes was launched, uh, we released... Uh, support for those tags. So Now, anybody that has a feed running through FeedBurner or anybody out there that has a podcast that wants to easily incorporate the iTunes tags uh, with one click and, you know, selecting the category from the drop-down bar and the subcategory from from the the drop-down bar next to it uh, can now get all of that content into their feed without having to understand uh, how to modify their template. And, of course, in a lot of cases... The services that are creating the feeds these folks are using uh, don't even allow them to modify their templates.
2: You mean so. if, if you to use? Well, for instance, if I were using as I do use currently blogware, I cannot edit the template for RSS to enable it to be workable in iTunes. It just that's won't work. right. So here's okay, a so question.
0: Here's a question I have for you. Yeah, go Bob, ahead. In in terms of uh, some of the features that you have added. Are you automatically generating the duration of the uh, MP3 file that gets enclosed for the iTunes tags?
1: We are not, and that is actually on our list of things coming, uh, the proverbial, real soon now. Um, It is one of the things we would like to do, because obviously that's one of the elements that iTunes is including in their list of, uh, data about a particular show.
0: Because that's the one thing that I'm still having problems with, with movable type. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and see, this is exactly it, right? As, as things like this develop, and let's say that the next version of iTunes ships or the next real player uh, that, that may include some similar kinds of functionality, everybody's going to have a different way of wanting to implement. And while we'd love to see there be one spec that everyone agreed to, as is the case with Apple, they announced their spec and said, here you go, this is how to do it. Some may choose to adopt that, others may choose to, to go their own way. And you've you got to imagine that most feed owners are not going to want to be in the game of figuring out how to add 19 layers of metadata to their feed.
0: Mm, not so much. No. Yeah,
1: and you know we can do things, we're not currently doing this, but certainly as we see either other extensions develop or elsewhere, you know, we can return a version of the feed to iTunes that is not the version of the feed that some other user agencies.
2: Rick, I I have a question. Yep. You know, in terms of the way Apple did it versus the way Microsoft did it, now obviously this is in light of the announcement they made at Gnome Dex. Um, You know, they came out and they embraced the RSS community and kind of threw their whole idea of list extensions out into Creative Commons land. Apple didn't do that at all. Right. I mean, it seems to me, you know, for as, as, as much as we're very thankful for for Apple kind of, you know, enabling this within iTunes, I mean, I don't know if you caught this or if you're in the middle of calling in, but apparently now we're getting close to half our media traffic through iTunes itself at this point. And, uh, you know, we were pulling in pretty hefty amounts before then. Uh, Jake was was saying that we were right around twenty to 25,000 downloads per file that we uploaded. So I can only imagine that we've essentially doubled that now.
1: Well, and to, to that particular statistic, you know, we were able to measure in the first 24 hours of, I, of the iTunes release that overnight, Apple had over 40% of the podcatching market. Yeah. By looking across all of the feeds that we manage, we were able to identify that the user agent requesting all of those feeds four out of 10 times was iTunes. So
0: then that like matches up almost identically with what we're seeing on our own server.
1: Yeah, and, and now see, of course, I'm going to put the plug in here for FeedBurner. If you guys were running that feed through FeedBurner, you'd not only know how many downloads you were getting, but you'd also know how many subscribers you had.
0: Now, here's a question that I have related to that then. Okay, we've been using uh, this the same uh, feed since we launched our podcast back in January of 2005. Yes. And how would it be possible for us to redirect that feed to FeedBurner and not run the risk of losing subscribers in iTunes, uh, or because iTunes is pulling the feed that we have pulling off of our own server.
1: Absolutely, and and this is this is the number one, two, three, probably through about eighteen question that we get asked because, of course, that is the the, the key issue. You imagine for all the bloggers that want to experiment with, say, feed burner, and say, well, you know, geez, I've had a feed out in the wild for years. I'm not going to very well just post to my blog and say, okay, guys, uh, it doesn't do you any good, but if you could just unsub from this feed and sub to this feed, that would really make my life a lot better, so thanks.
0: Yeah, because that doesn't work.
1: Yeah, no, it doesn't work, and and it's just not good practice. So there's there's really two answers to that. Um, One is if you have the ability to uh, use HT Access. Right, which is a little line of code that you uh, can install to tell your web server how to behave. You can install a line that says, uh, if anybody comes looking for this file, where this file is your podcast feed, your blog feed, whatever, uh, instead of giving them that file, send them over to this address at FeedBurner.
2: And is that seamless then?
1: And it is absolutely seamless. So anyone that is subscribed to your feed today when their aggregator or their podcatching client requests that feed tomorrow, will immediately be sent the same feed, but from a different URL.
2: See, that's one of the reasons why, you know, we've stuck with just one server at this point. I mean, we've got a WMA file that's usually uploaded concurrently with the MP3 file. Of course, now iTunes is kind of, you know, throwing that for a loop uh, altogether, uh, because iTunes, of course, will not support anything that way unless it's compatible with iTunes. Well, right. actually, it will It will take WMA, and I don't know how easily it'll, if at all, if it'll transcode it on the fly.
0: It, it transcodes it, but uh, it's an imperfect
2: solution. Yeah, an imp- absolutely imperfect solution yep. at this point. Um, but it, it, what's your perspective? I mean, to get back to the original question, um, how do you feel Apple did in this in this respect, especially when compared to the way that Microsoft did what they did in talking about list extensions and, and asking and, and tossing it to the community or, instead of doing it themselves. Or actually
0: even, uh, even thinking about Media RSS, because you guys support that as well, right?
2: Yes, we do. Okay. What,
0: what is that, anyway?
2: Media RSS
1: was the extension that Yahoo uh, put out, uh, oh, boy, I'm fuzzy on dates, probably five, six months ago. And one of the things it does, it it has a variety of components, but one of the primary things it does from the perspective of a podcaster is it would allow you to include multiple enclosures per item in a feed. Because, of course, in in the RSS2 spec as written, you can only have one enclosure per item. So if you wanted to perhaps put out a show in three parts, instead of having to have three posts to the feed, you could have one. That had three enclosures. Uh. Currently, the 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 RSS 2 spec would have an enclosure for the first item in the, the first link in the feed and ignore the other two. So that's one of the things Media RSS does. It it makes the inclusion of rich media in an RSS feed a little bit more expansive. Uh, it was put out there by Yahoo. Uh, I'm, I believe, although I'm not the expert on this particular area because I've been focused primarily on, on, on the Apple stuff lately, um, but that others are embracing it and, and, and adopting it um, as, as they need to.
0: And, and it actually does most of the things that uh, that Apple has decided to do with their specific tags.
1: Right. Now, you know, Chris, to answer your question, I mean, I, I, being at Gnome Dex on, on Friday when, when Dean was up in front of the audience and and making the announcement. And, you know, on the one hand, it was incredible to be there for the importance of the announcement that they were making with respect to the technology itself. You know, for somebody who's been in in, and among the RSS world for four years, that itself was thrilling. But I think, to, to your point, it was equally exciting that Microsoft was doing something that embraced the community that took advantage of the Creative Commons license and said, "Look, we're not trying to lock this thing in. We see it as a necessary next step for the the, the community, and we think the best way to ensure that it becomes uh, widely adopted and embraced by application vendors and the like is that it's something that is is, is not ours to to lord over everybody else." And that was that was huge. Um, uh, as far as how Apple did it, my guess is and and I have no no knowledge uh, on this particular subject. I've been talking a lot with Apple lately, but not on the you know, hey, what were you guys thinking, but more on the <laughs> how can we make sure that you know we support what you guys decided to do very well? Um, but uh, you know, my guess is that there was a lot of internal pressure that they had new devices coming out, so they were gonna have to time a release of iTunes to the release of the new devices and the new pricing. Uh, 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 scheme for the for the iPods, and they weren't going to release a new version of iTunes on uh, back at the end of June, and then roll out the podcasting announcement two weeks later. Yeah. And so my guess is that it was more a factor of they got crunched, they had to get the thing out, and there it is. Now I, you know. In retrospect, would I have liked to have had say two weeks notice? so that we could take a look at that stuff, have our engineers come back and say, you know, you might be able to do X, Y, and Z without creating this, sure. Um, and it would have been nice to have had the rest of the podcasting community have a look at it, uh, have a chance to have some, some input. But you know what? It, at the end of the day, they did what they did. And, and you made the comment, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a very fair one, which is they have so dramatically expanded the audience that I think in the end a lot of people are going to be willing to cut them some slack in the, the way in which they got to that point. It uh, would have been nice if there had been some more involvement. I think we may see, and again, this is me uh, speculating, that it's not a result of any conversations with Apple on this point, but I wouldn't be surprised if what the spec is today doesn't evolve uh, a little bit down the road.
2: Well, I'd that, certainly hope so
1: you know and and i and to your to that point exactly i mean i think i'm hearing a lot of that from folks both who who use feedburner but also just out in the community and and you know that goes back to one of our comments to our users who ask well why should i run stuff through feedburner instead of you know do it myself and our comment is well you know look if they change the spec or if somebody comes out with something else then you don't have to worry about that we're going to make sure that we're always mapped to whatever the current implementation is and ensure that there's consistency across uh, the feed, where the feed is actually being consumed so that it it becomes a non-issue for the publisher uh, who should just be worried about creating good
2: content. And you're still providing this service for free?
1: Yeah, it's absolutely free.
2: Okay, where's the business model in that?
1: (laughs) Volume. It's in volume.
2: Well, no. it makes it makes sense. I know a few people uh who, you know, have signed up for feedburner feeds and then have subsequently left the feedburner service because they were having issues with uh the feed being up or not being up at any given time. How really? how do you uh how do you handle all the traffic that you take? I mean, what, do you have like multiple servers running, I'm assuming, a yes, lot of we, redundancy?
1: We we do and uh we are the the all of the servers uh are collocated in in a, in a n plus one data center with all of the you know biometric security restricted security access all of that uh, the back end is mySqL on the database side um, we are you you may have seen we we closed a rather significant round of funding uh, at the beginning of the year congrats thank you um, i i don't get the benefit of being able to take credit for that uh, it, it's all due to the uh, the founders who at the time of the funding round, it was still just the founders, and and they had hired one guy on the, on the system side, uh, Joe Joe Kotke. Um Oh,
2: you're 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 serious. I, I, I you're not the president CEO. Oh, no, no,
1: I'm, I'm I'm absolutely not. I, <laughs> I came on board uh, soon after the funding round closed, um, when it was now obvious. Okay, we're about to, to take this to the next step, um, and actually execute on the business plan. So to mm. to, to answer the question. Uh, the majority of the revenue today is focused on the core feed management service. So, you know, you're a high-traffic blog, you have a feed, and that is the, the feed audience is is one that's, of course, very attractive to advertisers. Now, we let and, and help publishers uh, implement, whether it's the AdSense for feeds, if they're part of the uh, Google AdSense for feeds beta, Uh, We also have an arrangement with Yahoo Search Marketing, formerly Overture, so that uh, contextual ads can be inserted in feeds. We also have advertisers, ad agencies, uh, and so on approaching us directly who say, you know, we want to be getting in front of folks who are reading uh, technology sites or entertainment sites or celebrity sites, whatever the case may be. And, you know, we have over 70,000 feeds uh, a number of those are very well-subscribed, very frequently posted to, and are feeds of publishers, whether they are individual bloggers or commercial publications like newspapers, magazines, etc., who want to be monetizing that content. Now, it's important to note, and I'm not watching the chat room. I'll get, I'll catch up with the, the folks in there, so on the off chance that this is being asked there, I'll, I'll kind of preemptively address it. Um, to be very clear... We will never, ever insert ads or do anything to a feed that is something that the publisher didn't ask us to do. So if a publisher wants to run their feed through FeedBurner and doesn't want ads in their feed, they don't get ads in their feed. (laughs) But in the case that they do, we become the, the, the intermediary that helps establish that relationship, and there is a percentage of that revenue generated that comes to FeedBurner. The majority of that revenue will go to the publisher, and in most cases, that's, that's a very good arrangement.
2: Yeah, I've had, I've had a lot of luck with uh, running advertisements in Locker Gnomes RSS feeds. And I've tried Google AdSense. I tried that for like two days in yep. the feeds, and then it, I turned it off like almost right away. It just it wasn't working. The model wasn't right.
1: You know, I think there are some feeds where it does work, but it's interesting. I think one of the assumptions in uh, contextual ads, when you look at a website, the the assumption is somebody sought that content out right they went to a web uh, a search engine they typed in a query they ended up at a page and there's adsense over on the gutter tied to whatever the terms were that that that, that you searched for and the the assumption then is if you searched for that stuff then the ads that are targeted to what you searched for are going to be very relevant and and likely to encourage you to click on them and so that model works really well in a feed That's not so much – those assumptions don't really hold up because I, as a subscriber, may like what Chris Perillo says in general. But the particular item that I'm looking at in my aggregator at that point in time may have absolutely no interest to me. So the contextual ad that's pulling the 40 or 50 words or whatever it is in the post to try and determine what ad to serve, contextually may not be at all relevant to me. So we're working with the ad networks, we're working with the advertisers to make sure that, you know, it's obviously in our best interest, if this is where our money comes from, to make sure that those ads are not obtrusive, that those ads are what readers would be interested in seeing and are likely to generate revenue for the publisher, which in turn generates some revenue for us.
2: Now, in light of Microsoft's announcement, to go back to it, because there's been you know a lot of things happening in this in this whole space, and I, I think your perspective, both personally and, and professionally, ha- has an, a large amount of relevance, uh, especially for our listeners. Uh, Microsoft announced that basically Longhorn is embracing RSS in a big way. I mean, we're talking this is, and I, I think it was so nebulous that no one's really gotten their head around it. It's not that Microsoft is ignoring podcasting; it's that they're enabling the next Thing to come with yeah, it, RSS, it's the
1: everything else casting. Yeah. that kind of went over. I I, I think kind of went around what most people were focused on at the time, uh,
2: which is unfortunate because the it's it's such a big it's such a big thing. How how did you feel? How did Feedburner react to this kind of news?
1: Well, if you're a business that that, that is premised on the management of feeds and providing metrics on those feeds. Um, where those metrics are, are otherwise hard to come by. And someone like Microsoft comes in and says, hey, you know, we, uh, we think RSS is going to be so critical that it's going to be an operating system level uh, format. And every piece of data that you deal with is going to be uh, subscribable. Um, you know, that makes us pretty excited because we placed a big bet that, RSS would represent uh, increasingly the majority of content traffic that it is we, we've already seen websites where the RSS readership dwarfs the web readership oh yeah <laughs> and that will that will only continue yep and if you start thinking about content not in terms of a site or a destination but mom's pictures dad's calendar my coworkers' uh, uh, supply list, you know, those kinds of things, some of them are, are the kinds of, of information that if I'm the provider of that content, I'm going to want to have those metrics. I'm going to want to have ways of leveraging that feed um, that are flexible. And that is, I mean, that is core to what FeedBurner does for, for publishers. So we saw it as a home run. It, it, it validates the bet we made when we made it back in, uh, in, in 2003, and if anything, it's a signal to the rest of the technology world and and the publication world, for that matter, that RSS is not for techies. RSS is for the broad consumer market. Yeah. And as soon as that marker was set, as soon as Microsoft made that announcement. There was no longer a conversation about if we're going to do RSS, right? I stopped having those conversations with newspapers (laughs) that weekend. (laughs) And Monday it was, okay, we're going to do RSS. How will we make money on it, and how will we make sure that it doesn't cannibalize our our Internet business in a more broad (laughs) sense?
2: (laughs) You know, I'm glad we could all be there at that, that pivotal moment where it just all shifted.
1: It, it it really I, – I was I was thrilled, and I was sitting there now. We didn't have connectivity, so my ability to communicate what was going on real <laughs> oh, time to the office come was a little on. delayed.
2: Rick, you're killing me. <laughs> you know that wasn't my fault, right?
1: <laughs> I totally know that wasn't yeah, your fault.
2: Ponzi and I told – for from day one, we told Bell Harbor, we said, look – we don't care if, if the snacks are rotten. We don't care if you give us food poisoning. We don't care if the roof has a leak. The broadband must work.
1: Yeah, for the love of God, just keep the IP address yes. flowing.
2: Yes, and it was just, uh, thank God it got it got better by the second day. But the first day, I I, I profusely, you know, apologize. Oh,
1: I felt for you. I totally, uh, you know, the, the last half a dozen tech conferences I've been at, um, it's just, it's never something that goes smoothly.
2: Yeah, but I I really was aiming to do something different and to really (laughs) (laughs) make it work.
1: Chris, the thing you did different was it was working on day two. That's true. Most other conferences like, you know what, it didn't work, forget it. You know, just go back to the hotel.
2: Well, Ponzi and I were, and she she, she really came down on them pretty hard because of, of that mistake that they made. Um, and, and, of course, you were not the only one to say that it happens at most conferences, but I didn't want it to happen at ours. Right, right. Now, <laughs>
1: it, it, it it, was a, a minor, it, you know what, I look at it this way. The din of keyboard clacking that would have been going on in the middle of Dean's speech would have ensured that half of us missed half of what he said. Yeah, that's true. And and the fact that there was a laptop in front of every individual there, and you know, it was halfway through Dave's presentation, everybody realized, I don't get to blog this. I have to listen and, and interact, <laughs> and that actually isn't such a bad thing. No. I, I think that contributed positively to the to the event. So in the grand scheme of things, I think you know there's a pretty bright silver lining to it. But uh, anyway. Back to the, you know, it, it was. It ended up being. I, I would. I, I left after the Microsoft announcement, and you know, called the office. Kind of gave them the, the quick. Here's here's what was said. Here's my take. And then you know they kind of churned on it a little bit and and thought about it some more. And you know it's it's just there's there's huge huge upside potential in this.
2: Oh, it's gigantic. And, and it. I was one of the first evangelists for RSS years ago. Absolutely. Uh, coming out and saying, "No, you don't understand. This is this is it. This is it, you yep. know?" And it is it's just funny to see that it is finally happening. And and I think podcasting, you know, has has only helped it because it's it's an application of RSS. It's not this new thing, it's just an evolution. Yep. And it's only helped the adoption or the recognition of RSS as a viable means of publishing you know whatever that content happens to be and and certainly seeing microsoft embrace it was you know thrilling on so many levels you know that it happened at our conference one two that it happened period right um it was just it was was, it's quite exciting uh to to be a part of that uh, at least you know from from my end especially seeing you and everybody in the room and including i believe some of feedburner's investors
1: Yes, uh, Brad Feld was there. Uh, Brad, who who has invested in Technorati, NewsGator, Feedburner as well. He's with Mobius uh, Venture Venture Capital out of Denver.
0: So he breathed a big sigh of relief out of that uh, little announcement. Uh, I,
1: absolutely, I, I think Brad has uh, made as large a financial uh, bet as anyone. Uh, Brad and and, and Mobius uh, on on RSS as not so much RSS as the technology, but uh, Chris, to to your comment, to what it enables, what applications it opens up. I mean, just little stuff, right? You know, at FeedBurner, you have a, a little thing that says, you know, we can splice in your delicious bookmarks, either as you make them or once a night, so that people who read your feed, who may not be visiting your website, who wouldn't necessarily see the link to your delicious bookmarks or see the sidebar that you've created, can still get the benefit of other sites that you're bookmarking throughout the day.
2: That's pretty impressive.
1: And that's, I mean, it's a little thing, but it's possible because Josh at Delicious supports RSS. And we can, through the Delicious API, grab that data, pull it in, make it part of your default RSS feed. We can do the same with your Flickr photos. Again, because all of this stuff starts to center around common formats, common data, and and that's really Fun. That's really exciting to see. And and again, that's basic stuff. The the, the big picture about where this will be in six, twelve, eighteen months. Um, I, I mean, the mind the mind boggles.
2: You know, I, I I really can't wait to tell you what I've been working on. Unfortunately, I can't because I've just started working on it. But uh, it's it's very interesting uh, that you would say something about how being able to interoperate with like Delicious and Flickr, etc. Um, it's a convergence, and it's a smart convergence, not something that's just kind of a uh, a band-aid. It, this stuff really works.
1: It it does, and as we, we in tribute to uh, Mr. Moore, we crossed the chasm, right? I think that's as much as anything <laughs> what the Longhorn announcement and yeah. the iTunes release within a week of each other did, is that they brought RSS out of the early adopter market, bringing us into the middle of the bell curve. And now we start to see what, what will happen when you get real masses of users and, and real money. And, and again, you know, I'm, I'm in this to make money, but I'm also in this to have a whole lot of fun. And, you know, I started my blog as an outlet. That led to relationships with people who I never would have met otherwise. It led to my job at Social Text for over a year, working for Ross Mayfield, it led to meeting the guys here at, 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 at FeedBurner in Chicago, and it's incredible to see how the community has evolved and been very open to these new directions that not everybody saw coming or even understood when they first showed up.
2: No, it's I I certainly appreciate uh, the the work that Feedburner is doing, if only because you really seem to be the only one who's doing it. I uh, I've seen a, a few other interesting applications of RSS, including a recent one at RSSContacts.com, where you could basically upload a VCard and have people subscribe to a contact RSS feed, and and, and then it's kind of like a I guess an I guess a more open kind of Plaxo. Sure,
1: that's a, that's fantastic. I I used to work at a CRM company, and and when I first started my blog um, and started figuring out RSS, and, you know, I'm reading scripting.com, and I'm reading your site, and I'm reading InfoWorld and some of these others, and I'm thinking, you know, why can't we, as a company that makes software that, you know, tells you who you know, what you know about them, why can't this stuff be syndicated out, you know, inside the firewall, um, or give people the ability outside the firewall to, to subscribe to kind of selective pieces of that? and. I think that's where we're headed. As sites like that—that that sounds perfect. It needs yeah. to have
0: like a, a friendship or a relationship, kind of like the the various social networking services, yeah. where when, if you update that,
2: it automatically gets pushed out to all the people, and then it's actually working well. That I mean, well, that, the, it it would be a program or an inter, a client, an interpreter that would actually make sense of it,
1: right? And and that's where you know it, <laughs> you then get into the world where people are able to focus on the desired result instead of having to be the programmer themselves. Yeah. Because now this stuff is really pretty understandable. And that's where, as these services evolve and, you know, somebody comes let's say it's RSS contact. And so somebody takes an RSS contact feed and says, I want to put that through FeedBurner because I want to know how many people are subscribed to my contact data. Well, no brainer. Run it through FeedBurner. We're not charging you for that core service. There are premium services on top of that, so, if you know, if you really wanted to know detailed stats down to the item level, we can tell you that. But, you know, th- those kinds of things, we, we can't wait to see what people come up with. And we're announcing our own APIs so that, you know, people take our stuff and kind of recreate it in ways that we don't anticipate. That's exactly the kind of stuff we want to see happen.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, Rick, uh, certainly we appreciate it. And maybe the next time I talk to you, you'll be the president CEO of, of <laughs>
1: <laughs> o- only if dick costello is living on an island somewhere would oh, be no. good news for all of us
2: oh well yeah actually that would be wouldn't he, it uh, hmm.
1: he he uh, he's doing a, a great job and, so, uh,
2: so is is it too late to make any investments i not that i would have anything to offer but 20 <laughs> bucks at this point you
1: know we're always willing and eager to talk with anybody that would like to be hey
2: uh, i
0: bet to, I, I bet chris would rent his chest for stock
1: <laughs> yes i would I'll, you know what I, at, at our next <laughs> board meeting i'll float that idea yeah well if we can't can't get a stock certificate
2: uh, on that show. oh certainly I, I, I appreciate that uh, you know anything that you can do throw, throw me a bone <laughs> no I, Brad you mentioned Brad um, he, he, I don't know if we're going to be able to get them uh, involved Mobius at the next Gnome Dex but certainly it is a possibility I think we open his eyes to you know a different kind of conference and a different kind of event uh, that, that Ponzi and I uh, produce and uh, so you know we're probably this is this is probably just the beginning well, that's, that's
1: that's good to hear. We're we're certainly looking forward to attending many more, and uh, can't wait to to see where all of this goes. and And thank you so much for the opportunity. It's fun to fun to chat and shoot the breeze, but also to to share news with your listeners. I'll check out what's going on in the chat room, see if anybody had any particular questions I can answer.
0: The Windows Media stream for the live broadcast of the Chris Perillo Show is provided by Limelight Networks. Listen to the live Chris Perillo Show in Windows Media Player. Download the latest version of the player for Mac and Windows users at Microsoft.com slash Windows Media.